Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, it's just me, Don. We're missing Kaushik this week. He's a little bit tied up and busy with some other stuff, but he'll be back soon enough. On today's show, I wanted to talk to you about the best way to learn a new technology, namely a programming language. This is something uh, software developers do occasionally. It's not something we do every single day, but it is something that we do occasionally. We eventually get used to working with one programming language. Maybe that's our first one that we've learned or second or third, but eventually we do need to pick up another language. Why is that? Well, because as software developers, we don't exist purely in one domain. Now, for example, we might write an application and it needs to write data to a database. Well, we have to learn SQL to interact with a database typically. Now, I'm not going to get into the argument of if SQL is really a programming language. I'm not going to do that. I'm just saying in general, if you have to learn a new technology, it's something we just encounter. Now, today's conversation and so forth is going to revolve around learning a traditional programming language. Um, or even, you know, you could talk about even a, a different framework for that nature. So let's say that you were an Android developer and you wanted to learn how to build an iOS app. Well, that's a completely different framework. That's a completely different language. Everything's going to be brand new. And how do you go about doing that? And this conversation also applies to anyone who's interested in perhaps learning how to build something in a completely different environment and framework than they're used to. So if you're a mobile developer and you're interested in learning about the back end, maybe you want to know how to build an API. Well, how do you do that? Do you use something like Node or do you going to use Rails or Python or, or is it Java or, or Kotlin? All of those are valid answers. There is no wrong answer. So I want to make that clear initially, but I'm going to assume that you have an idea of something that you would like to build in a particular language or not something you'd like to build, but you have an idea of a particular language that you would like to learn and so forth. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you need to understand the basics of the language. So that's just going to be the, the programming language. That's going to be plain and simple what you need to understand first before you can, we can really get into the meat and potatoes of what I'm going to talk about here. Now, for example, let's say that you're a Java developer and you want to learn Kotlin. Well, you need to understand the, the fundamentals of Kotlin and how Kotlin works from the ground up, what you know, the syntax looks like, how you declare variables and functions. So you'll need to learn that first. And wherever you do that is where you do that. Now, quick side note, if you do need to learn Kotlin, I do have a free nine hour course that's available on my YouTube channel. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, it's free to watch. You can watch it uh, in, via the nine hour video. There's also a playlist with it broken apart into 134 different lessons. Both are completely free. So if you're interested in learning Kotlin and that's a direction you want to get going in, or you have a colleague who wants to learn it, feel free to point them to my, my YouTube video or videos and uh, they can learn Kotlin there. So let's assume now that you have already determined that you would like to build a uh, to build something and you want to learn a language. So let's um, let's go with the, the Android to iOS example. You want to build an iOS app. Okay, 
So first of all, you need to understand Swift probably. So maybe you've already went and watched a couple of courses on this Swift programming language and you kind of understand it a little bit, but you want to build an iPhone app. So to do that, there's a couple of things that you need to keep in mind here. And that's what we're gonna talk about here. So the first thing that you're going to need to keep in mind is you're gonna need some type of goal. That's number one, find a goal. And that goal I recommend is gonna be choosing a simple problem domain. And what does that mean? A problem domain is a problem that you're trying to solve. And you need to choose one that's simple and you have memorized. Without a shadow of a doubt, you understand how it works top to bottom. So what is maybe a simple domain? Now, these are my examples that I actually use. There's two examples I always rely on, and I either choose either one of them, and you can steal these if you want. Number one is I'll either choose to build a note-taking app, and a note-taking app is simple. All it does is it allows you to create a note that has a title that's text, has content that's text, and has a created date when the note was created, and then it has a updated at field, which is when the note was last updated. So if I created it yesterday and I added some more notes today, it would say that it was created yesterday and that it was updated today. Now, each time I create a new note, there's gonna be a new record inserted into a some type of data store somewhere with those fields in it. So I got four columns, title, content, created at, and updated at. Pretty simple. That's option number one. Now, option number two, is a calorie or protein tracker. And so that's very simple as well. Every day, perhaps I would like to keep track of how many calories I want or the number of protein, grams of protein I've eaten in a day. This app is be very simple. It's a simple input box and it just, you could have accept a number, that's it. It also has a created at and updated at fields, which are going to be dates and then Every single day I could enter in how many calories I ate that day or the number of protein grams I've eaten that day. Whichever one you'd like to go with protein or calories, it's up to you. Now, you might be thinking like, these are really stupid apps, Don. What a stupid idea. Why would I build this such a dumb app? I wanna go do something cool with like machine learning and all this other cool stuff. You have to, the reason why I'm telling you to use a simple problem domain is because you don't wanna be having to learn the problem domain as you're learning a programming language. The goal here is to remove complexity so you can focus on the learning environment. And the learning environment is gonna be you building something with that technology. So you don't wanna be getting in the way of yourself. And if I have to learn about some brand new problem domain that I'm not an expert in, most likely I'm going to make mistakes and then possibly confuse myself in the process of programming as well as the process of learning to program in the new framework. So with a note-taking app, we all know how that works. Very simply, and what's a note consist of? A title, usually, and some content. You can go open up a document in Microsoft Word, Google Docs, wherever, and you can put the date there, the title of your note, and you could type it in. And then tomorrow you could open that same document, add another uh, new line, add the date, title, and content, and you could create your notes right there and keep them there forever. And there's hundreds of thousands of people that do exactly that right now. That's okay, that works. We're not trying to replace that. 
we're trying to just use that problem domain as a way for us to learn. And when we have a note-taking app, we have a title, we have content, so we have a couple of fields that we have to worry about, and then we have two date fields. And these two date fields are actually important because when you start including date fields, you can start doing things with dates inside of your application, like date math. Say, all right, well, how many, you know, between these two dates, how many notes did I create? Or between these two dates, how many characters did I type? And between these, you know, on every odd day, how many characters did I type? And there's a bunch of things you can do with the dates and date math that will help you learn and understand a framework and a, and a programming language a lot better. So that's just a very simple note-taking app. And the calorie app is the same thing. Now, as soon as I say calorie app, a lot of folks think, well, oh, I want to build in a barcode scanner, and then I need to make sure I can scan against some food database, and then I'm going to pull in the calories and the protein, and I'm going to separate them into different fields, but then I'm also going to include other macronutrients. Like, no, 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 no. None of that. Get rid of all that. We are learning to build a very simple app because I want to learn how to build screens. I'm going to be building an iPhone app. I want to learn how to build a screen. I want to learn how to build inputs on our buttons. I want to understand how buttons work. I want to learn how the various different components interact with each other. Um, I want to understand click events. I want to understand, you know, asynchronous communication. How do I write to a database? How do I read from a database? What happens if I have a lot of records and I need to scroll a list? How do I build that? And with a note-taking app or a protein tracker, you can see that each one of these allows us to input many values, which then also introduces another problem. I can also maybe write a little script to seed my test database with a bunch of values. So we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, but that's number one. Number one is just choose a simple problem domain. And so either choose something that you're very familiar with, and if you don't have anything, go with a note-taking app or go with a calorie or protein tracker app. Again, very simple. I'm not even asking you to communicate with an API at this point. We're just considering it just to be a little local application. So number, number two, I want you to think about here, the step two, don't worry about best practices. Just completely throw all best practices right out the window. And a lot of people are jumping through their, you know, they're yelling at the car stereo right now. They're shaking their heads while you're listening to me like, no, don't do that. I'm serious. When you're learning, the best thing that you can do is approach it like a beginner. Pretend like you don't know anything. Don't let your experience get in the way. So maybe you repeat a couple of lines of code or you repeat something 10 times. Who cares? You're, you're not taking this and shipping it to production tomorrow. You're taking this as a learning type of experience. And then maybe if you do replicate some code five or six times, okay, maybe that's an opportunity to learn. Okay, maybe I can put this into a function. Or hey, do they have a concept of a class? What does that look like? But don't worry about all the finer grain details of best practices about, oh, is this going to be performant or not? Is this going to re-render on the screen? Am I going to slow down the draw time on, you know, whatever when I'm scrolling a list? Don't worry about any of that. Just get it to work. Uh, and that's going to be, you know, we're going to kind of go right into the next step, which is number three, start small, meaning with whatever feature you're going to start with, start small and then go even deeper and get smaller and smaller and smaller. So what does that mean? 
Okay, let's say we wanna build an iPhone app. So let's really break this down. You have an idea of it's gonna be a note-taking app. All right, well, I know I'm gonna need a list of notes on one screen, uh, which have already been created. Then I need to be able to tap on a note to edit it. And then I need to be able to maybe show some type of save indicator. I also need a new screen to create a new note. So I'm already three screens in. That's already too deep. Like I'm talking really real aback. What's step one? How do I create an iPhone project? <laughs> That's step one. Okay, cool. I figured out maybe how to do that by reading the docs. I've got my iPhone project up and running. Maybe it's an Xcode, wherever. It's running. I've okay, cool. Is it using, you know, at that point in time? Excellent. That's step one. What's step two? Okay, how do I open a simulator? You know, in iOS, there's simulators and not emulators. How do I start the simulator? I don't have an iPhone, maybe. Okay, you figured that out. Okay, that's step two. <laughs> Great. Now, how do I deploy this very this bare bones app that doesn't have anything in it to my simulator? That's step three. Like these are the steps you gotta go through. And then each one of these is gonna give you a little bit of confidence and just be okay with failing. Like you're not gonna know everything. And once you get it deployed, it might just be a blank screen. I don't even know what the default iOS project has in it anymore, if anything. Then from there, once you have your default screen, uh, you have your app running once, okay, how do I add hello world? And it seems pedantic and a lot of people hate this, but these are all just very basic things. Okay, I've got it going. Uh, now I've got it deployed where it says hello world. Okay, great. Now I'm not asking you to commit your changes to Git or your source control repository as you do this and, and move through the process. But what we're doing is to, you know, we are starting small and then getting smaller and just very, very tiny nibbles of work that we can see a little bit of accomplishment to give ourselves a little bit of confidence to keep moving forward. If you try to build out this whole screen right now before you do anything, that's gonna be bad. It's just not gonna work. Uh, you're gonna get frustrated and you're gonna wanna quit. So you have to be okay with things just starting really small. So you get that first screen up and running. Okay, let's assume that for me, if I was building it, well, the first thing I'm gonna wanna do is be able to get data into some, you know, to somewhere, but how do I get data somewhere? I gotta be able to give the app data. How do we give the app data? I need input form. Okay, so that's the first thing I'm gonna build. Okay, I need to put a input box on there. I figure out how to do that, great. That's the title. Okay, uh, can I put a label on there? Okay, I got a label. Okay, now I need to put a another one on there. That's gonna be the text content. Okay, well, that's not single line. That one needs to be multi-line. Oh, okay. Is there a way to, you know, I'll do that. I'll, I'll multi-line, there we go. So now I got a title, multi-line, all right, and now I also need a button to tell it to save. So I figure out how to put those three elements on there. I deploy it in my simulator, that works. Awesome. Okay, next step is I need to be able to type data in there and then when I click on this button, I needed to do something with it. I need to be able to get a handle on that data. So again, we're going really small here. I'm gonna go ahead and try to connect and get those bits of data through something, you know, do I have to connect things? How do I get a reference to those input boxes? And then at that point, when I click the button, I'm just gonna write it to a log statement. I'm not gonna do anything else with it. I'm gonna write it to a log statement. Boom, I see it in the logs. How, and again, there's another problem. How do I view the logs? 
and you go figure out how to view the logs. And as you see, we're going bit by bit, but we're learning a lot here. We're learning how to interact with the environment. We're learning how to interact with the, the various debugging tools. And even at that point, I might try to figure out how to set a breakpoint inside of my application. Because when I click the button, I want to be able to see if I can inspect variables and data and so forth like that. So again, we're just going to keep iterating and iterating and iterating and iterating on these things. Now, one of the things I do want to mention here um, is when you're developing, you're learning a new technology, uh, if you're using, doing a mobile app, that, that's fine. And don't use any like any additional technologies that are going to complicate things. And let me give you an example on the web. Let's say you want to learn how to do this in Rails. You want to create a note-taking app in Rails. That's great. Rails will just output HTML for you, like just flat out HTML. It's not pretty, it's ugly, but that's what it will output for you. And that's it. Now, I don't recommend that you say, all right, well, I'm going to build this app. And at the same time, I'm going to try to learn Tailwind CSS to make this look good uh, while I'm also trying to learn Ruby on Rails. No, bad decision. Bad, bad, bad. Do not, number five, don't conflate technologies. So don't start mixing multiple things at once. Now, there is a caveat to this because let's go back to the iPhone example. You're building a note-taking app. You've got your input, your text content, your button. You click your button. Now all of a sudden, you got your, your data and you're actually able to write it to the logs. Well, now, well, great. Now, now I got to do something with this data. Well, as we know, that we've got to, we got to figure out a way somewhere to put it. So there's you know places we could put it inside of um, inside of iOS that it's not database, but we know that it needs to be in a database. So that's the next question: How do I interact with the database in iOS? And so you start digging around, you find that it's like core data or something else you decide to use, and then you figure out how to connect a database. Okay, now how do I write a record in there? And this is where the conflating technologies kind of advice kind of conflicts because eventually when you store data you have to learn how to write some SQL usually and so you might need to learn how to write an insert statement and so these are going to be one of the ones where well hey I kind of learn have to learn how to write a insert update delete and um, select statement so I can read and update and get the data out of the database so those are one of the ones where you you have to learn it but don't go deep into learning database triggers and views and all this other kinds of stuff. Don't even go there. Like that's not the goal. The goal is to learn how to build an app with this new technology. And so say you've got your database up and running. That works great. Fantastic. Again, you're just going to continue down this path of just over and over something simple. You're going to get the data into the database. Great. That button works. Okay. Fantastic. Now I can basically create new records. Now at this point, it, you click a button, it may just save it. It doesn't update the screen. Okay, next step is after I save it, I want to show a message, which could be maybe a little dialogue or it could be something that shows on the screen uh, or it just changes the button for a couple of seconds and says saved and then clears the input fields. After that, the next step is, okay, I need to add a screen that shows all of the existing notes inside of my application so I can get a list of them. Now, usually around somewhere around this point is I would have recommended that start saving your work into Git just so you have a place to roll back to if uh, if you'd like to, um, or if you make a big mistake, which is what I do all the time. So from here, you'll want to add another screen, and that screen is just going to be a screen that lists all of your notes. 
And then how are you going to get to that screen? Is that going to be the first screen that shows up? If so, you're going to need to do a little bit of refactoring. Again, now this is teaching you the tools, how to interact with the tools. Okay, I need to build a new screen. I need to select the data out of it from SQL. Okay, now I need to figure out how to put it into a list. Okay, great. Now I've got all my data showing on a list. But now it's just showing on a list. What do I do with it? When I click on it, what do I want it to do? Should it take me to the editor? Okay, so you want to make sure that you understand how to you know, implement a click listener on a list item, which then takes you to the actual detail page. So again, I'm being very, very, ex, ex, you know, I'm explaining step by step what you have to do when you're building these, you're learning a new technology. And there's a reason for this is because, again, small incremental steps will allow you to build confidence over a long period, over even short periods of time, which turns into long periods of time, which will then build momentum for you to continually do what you're doing. And so you're just going to keep going on this process. So you'll, you'll get up your, your editor screen at that point. Maybe you can add a button inside of maybe the menu, which allows you to delete the note. Then you can learn how to delete it, which then when it deletes, you have to learn how to do page navigation. How am I going to navigate from one screen back to the next? Then depending upon those certain actions. And again, don't try to do everything at once. Okay. Can I click the item in a list to go to the next page? Yeah, cool. Now the next page shows. Okay. How do I get that data from the list over to the next page. Do I send all the data over? Do I just send an ID and re-query on that page? That's going to be something you're going to want to experiment with. Again, don't worry about doing it with the best practice. Learn the technology. Sometimes the way that you're used to doing it in one particular technology or framework is not the way you do it in another framework. And you have to kind of be open to the different possibilities of that. Now, you may have realized, um, these are kind of just the basic steps and you're going to iterate over them over and over and over until you've got your basic application working. So now you've built an application. Congratulations. You've kind of learned how to build an app with this. Now, this is the level one approach uh, of doing it. So now you've kind of got the whole, great, now I've built an application, client side only application. Uh, if you want to take it to a level two approach, now is when you actually start implementing uh, interaction with an API. Now that API could be something that's in Firebase, which is maybe you know an API you really don't have to build, uh, but is data that's on a remote location. So anytime you introduce any type of remote data endpoints into your system, you have to start, your application changes a lot. How do I interact with an HTTP client? What do I do with HTTP errors? What do I do, you know, what about timeouts? What about no internet connection? These are all questions that you have to answer. And this is why I didn't recommend starting with an API. Now, there are a lot of people that will, especially experienced engineers, who will automatically just start interacting with an API out of the gate. Now, that's fine if you have the comfort level to do that. But if you don't, then I recommend you just start local, build a local implementation. And okay, once you feel comfortable enough, if you're a beginner, then you can move on to interacting with an API. And if you don't have an API, you'll need to go find one or build one yourself, which then again will be another exercise in, in learning a technology, which could be the exact opposite here. So if we were to flip this on its head and instead of, you know, you want, you're a Android or an iOS engineer and you want to learn how to build a backend. Great. Okay. Well, let's build a backend for a note taking app. Same exact thing or the backend for a calorie or protein tracker app. Now, what do those things need? Well, when you start getting into APIs, things are a little bit different because APIs just kind of exist and they're endpoints that are on the web. And you need to be authenticated and authorized to perform actions on an API. 
So most likely you're probably gonna need to create the concept of users and user accounts. You'll need people to, people will need to be able to create a user account, they'll need to be able to sign in. And if it's through an API, you'll be, you know, these are gonna be stateless, meaning that there's no session or anything like that. And so you need some way to be able to pass back and forth your authentication and authorization mechanism of some sort. And usually that's done through a token. And these will be done through something known as JOTS, uh, which is kind of the standard at this, this point in time. Uh, and these are JWT. If you go to JWT.io, uh, it said JOT. It sounds like J-O-T, uh, but it's JWT. So go to JWT.io, you'll see basically the spec and all the information and uh, an encoder and decoder of how to decrypt and encrypt JWTs. But let's say you build an API in Node with the Express Web Framework. You'll then need to learn how to interact with the database from an API level. Is it gonna be Postgres? Is it gonna be uh, MongoDB? What are you gonna do this in? And then how are you gonna create the authentication tokens? How are you gonna store them? How are you gonna invalidate them? Are you going to, uh, how, when are they going to expire? These are all com completely different problems that you're going to encounter, uh, which again, when you're starting, if you do want to build an API, well, the first thing's first, like, okay, I wouldn't even maybe even worry about the user stuff. Let's just figure out how to, to build an API where I can send data to it. And if you're going to do that, how do you interact with an API? Well, if you're going to do that, you could do it through a curl script, which is through the command line. And if you're not familiar with that, which most people are not experts in, you can download the Postman REST client. There's also clients built into all the IntelliJ tools. So there's REST clients that are built into like WebStorm and Android Studio and IntelliJ. Uh, you can use those or you can just use a standalone client like Postman, which is what I use. And that'll allow you to perform basic uh, REST operations uh, against an API. So post, get, patch, delete, stuff like that. And again, you're just gonna create uh, endpoint to create a node. Uh, edit a note, you know, and, th and these are going to be different. So in an API, I'm going to create a note that's a post. I want to update a note that's a patch. I want to I get the note content that's a get. And if I want to delete it, that's an HTTP delete. And you'll learn how to do that all through uh, the REST frame, you know, through the Express Web Framework if you're building something in Node. Now, if you're building it in Kotlin and you're using whatever Kotlin, you know, framework you're using, it's going to be different, of course. But the goal is start really simple. So let's go ahead and really kind of recap this just to kind of wrap this up. When you're learning a new technology, the first thing that you're gonna to wanna to do is choose a simple problem domain. If you don't have one, choose one. Um, the two that I recommend are a simple note-taking app or a protein or calorie tracker app. Both of these have minimal fields uh, and they both include dates in them. So you can start performing, you know, as you add features to your app, you'll have, you can start doing date math and kind of do some cool stuff to see, build little reports inside of your app or something like that. And it gives you options to further your application. Uh, as well, uh, one of the things I didn't mention about dates is it gives you an opportunity to say, hey, how do I automatically update the updated at field when this record's updated? Is it inside of a transaction? Do I do it in the database? So it kind of gives you some options to learn in each framework. So number two, don't worry about the best practices. Again, leave the best practices in the back of your mind. They're gonna be scratching at you. They're gonna tell you, you need to extract this and put this into a proper form and this type of loop is too slow, especially if you're an experienced engineer. You're gonna see things and wonder like, oh, what's the best way to, to optimize this array? And what's the best way to, you know, should this be a linked list and should this be a map versus this? Throw that away. 
Get rid of that. Who cares? Put it in an array. You know, if it's a problem, it's a problem. Then fix it later. The goal is to just learn it. Now, if you do need to learn how to use a, a map or whatever, then, then use that. I'm just saying, don't let your experience become your own worst enemy in this case. So that's number two. Don't worry about best practices. Number three, start small and then even refine it and get even smaller and smaller detailed. So don't try to boil the ocean right out of the gate. You're going to you're gonna want to build all kinds of screens. Focus on one thing. What's the next tiniest thing I can do to push this forward? Create a project. Okay, cool. Can I open the simulator? Yeah. Can I run the project? Yeah. Okay. If it's a web app, can I get the framework installed? Can I start the server? Cool. Uh, can I get a console statement working? Yeah, works. Great. Keep going one thing at a time. Just build that momentum over time. So start small and, and stay smaller, just small incremental chunks. Don't boil the ocean. Number four, just get it to work. That's really the big one here. Just get it to work. And that's kind of just builds on the previous example. You just want to build things and get it to work. Not worry about all the details uh, of everything. Don't, don't worry about conflating the other technologies, which gets us to number five. Don't worry about conflating the technologies. So number four, build something and just get it to work. It doesn't have to be beautiful. You don't have to worry about using proper other frameworks to make it look good. Just get it to work. It's okay. You don't have to follow the MVVM pattern or anything. Just get it to work. And number five, don't conflate your technologies. Uh, if you're learning a web framework, you don't have to learn Tailwind CSS at the same time. If you're building something uh, that requires interaction with some other type of framework, then you might need to do that. Like if it's SQL, you might need to write a little SQL. That's okay. But don't spend your entire time getting distracted with, oh, well, this is an ugly screen, going back to number four, build something that's ugly and just get it to work. Oh, this is really ugly, I, I, it needs to look nice. Well, no, like the goal right now is to just get the app to work. Does it solve the actual problem that you're trying to solve? That simple problem domain, does it solve that? If so, cool. Then when you're done with it, then come back, add some, you know, add some spice to it, make it look nice. So those are the top five here. That's the best way that I've learned technologies over the last couple of decades. Uh, the real key here of all of these really, um, and this is, if I were to choose just one of these, uh, well, I would say two, choose two that matter the most is just choose a simple problem domain. And number two, just small, tiny, tiny incremental steps. Don't try to boil the ocean. Just, and just make it, I mean, just, it's okay for it to be ugly. It's all right. You're learning the technology and learning to build it. And as you improve it, then you can make things look a little bit better. But just get it to work, then make it look better. It'll save you a lot of time and a lot of hassle. And um, last little bit of advice I can give you. If you find yourself getting stuck on a problem, time box it. So you know what? I'm going to spend another 15 or 20 minutes on this thing, and then I'm hacking it. Meaning like you might know a way to do it. It doesn't feel right, but you can do it to get around it. Later on, maybe a few hours down the road, you'll realize, oh, now I know how to do that one thing that I kind of hack stuff before. I'm going to go back and fix that real fast. That's okay. Just time box it because otherwise you'll spend the next five hours trying to figure out why I can't get this text box aligned to the right. Who cares? Like, it's okay. It's not perfectly aligned to the right. Like, this is, we're just learning. All right. Who cares if it's to the right or not right now? Just leave it where it's at and come back and fix it later. You're learning right now. You're not shipping this product. So, um, I hope this helps. Uh, it's a process that's worked for me, and I know it's something that a lot of uh, my friends have used throughout the years to, to learn new technology. So just keep it simple. 
just sort of chip away at it and uh, have fun with it, you know, approach it with a beginner mindset. Now, again, uh, if just to recap here, if you are perhaps looking to learn the Kotlin language, uh, I do have the nine hour Kotlin course, which I'll again put in the show notes. So check down the show notes and you'll see the link to the free Kotlin course, which, you know, have at it. Hope you enjoy it. And thanks for listening, everybody. I'll catch you next time. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.